Hi everyone, good evening. Charlotte here from Enriching Environments and welcome to Top Tip Tuesday on Instagram Live. It is Tuesday, we are here and this evening we've got a really, really good topic to talk about. A really, um, what's the word? Con not contentious or controversial, but it's something that... Um, the dark side of Montessori <laughs> without being too dramatic. Um, Montessori is synonymous with beautiful shelves and beautiful environments and most of the environments you see are sort of like cream coloured walls and lots of cream furnishings and um, it can lend itself to this um, suggestion, this belief that Montessori isn't for everyone but it's for elite few people um, who have financial means for materials, people who, Wiggy's just joined us, people who um, live in a home like that, a cream coloured home. Um, it has, you know, it's really become apparent in the Montessori world generally in the past couple of years that Mont Mont Montessori has um, an identity problem in terms of seeing as uh, being seen as very white and European and certainly the classrooms around the world have reflected that. And so there are loads of really amazing Montessori educators doing things to make a difference, to amplify um, the voices of people of colour in the Montessori world. And um, Montessori with special needs children, for example. Um, Montessori in a context that's other than a white European Christian one. So there's some really amazing things happening in Montessori all around the world. It is the largest pedagogy in the world. So that's 22,000 schools in the world. And um, that's something that not many people know. And actually, I watched the film Inside Montessori, and that's what, uh, and that's where I learned that statistic from. So it's the largest pedagogy on the in the world. And it is... It, the whole environment of the Montessori environment is meant to be um, inclusive because it has the mixed age groups and because it welcomes children of different cultures and in every classroom that you go around the world um, what will happen is the materials are the same the exact Montessori materials are the same however then the cultural materials and the practical life for example will be a reflection of the culture that they are in. Everything else to do with culture should be a reflection of the culture of the country, of the children that are there and meeting, meeting those needs. And so um, that's something that isn't necessarily known. So this image of Montessori in the home needing to look cream and perfect, cream and beige and perfect, and all the shelves are really tidy and everything's um, really consistent is um, I guess it's Instagram perfect, isn't it? And there's nothing wrong with trying to be Instagram perfect. There's nothing wrong with showing a beautifully prepared environment. But what we don't want to do, and what Montessorians are really high, our children, what Montessorians are now becoming, I think all of us are becoming more and more mindful, that when we post things that are so far removed from someone's reality, um, that is uh, so far removed from the cultural identity of... Um, people that we're, if we're, we're being a broad educational pedagogy, then we have to show a broad spectrum of environments and what it looks like and help 
people to understand that that wasn't what Montessori intended from the beginning. So, for example, things, stories that you probably know already, that when Montessori designed her, um, created her first children's house, it was with slum children on the streets of Rome, and um, all the materials she actually created um, by hand herself because she had no resources. These were slum children. Both the children, the parents were at work. The parents were could not read or write themselves. So she took these street children, essentially. And the materials she made, you know, for example, the, the iconic Montessori pink tower, that was pink, painted pink, just because that's the only colour paint that was available. It, it was just pink by by accident. And actually, it's really interesting that it's become iconic as this, as this pink tower. Um, so we recognise that Montessori has this image of just being these perfect shelves. And, um, and I've heard lots of things from the parents that I work with and people that I work with saying, oh, you know, it's seen as elitist and it's just focused on academia and it doesn't um, encourage creativity and all of these things. But I think that's when we lose what the essence of Montessori is. I mean, Montessori's whole vision for her educational um, method, um, and she didn't actually call it a method, we've sort of called it, we've put that on it, a method. She saw it as a way of creating peace. She lived through two world wars and um, the idea of creating peace through education um, was her absolute vision. I love that quote by her is, um, peace can only be achieved through education. All politics can do is keep us out of war. Words to that effect. And you know, it was really at that time, and now we see it now in, in, in modern terms, we understand that everything begins with the child. But she, 120 years ago, was a trailblazer. She really, she was, was and with, amongst many other pioneering voices at the time, um, and of course, indigenous peoples and first peoples who have known this instinctively for centuries and beyond, you know, further back in time than, than we think of Western civilizations even were recording, you know, ancient peoples had this wisdom of it's got to start with children um, and that is a pathway to peace. That's a pathway to um, respecting the planet and respecting nature and the interdependence of life on Earth. All of this happened um, so much sooner in Indigenous peoples than it did in, in the Western world, in this, in this um, white European model, if you like. So Montessori being a way of life, um, we've spoken about how it's the largest pedagogy in the world. We've spoken about how the intimidating photos on Instagram can make people think, OK, that's not for me because I'm not white. I don't speak like that. My home doesn't look like that. My culture isn't a reflection of that. That isn't my religion. So it can seem really, really intimidating to, to people. And um, what I want to talk about this evening is that how Montessori is as in the title, it's a way of life, it's a way of thinking, it's a way of being with our child, which means it's a way of being with ourselves. And, you know, in modern terms, lots of work we do with parents um, is about conscious parenting, peaceful parenting, respectful parenting, um, positive discipline. But actually, that's what Montessori is. It, all of that is under the umbrella of um of montessori because we're taking as educators we take the respect that we show children in the class and the fact that they are offered choices and the fact that um 
for example, in a monastery class and there's only one of each piece of material. So if a child wants something, they wait their turn. So the child waiting understands that they can't have what they want. Hi, Ivana. Hi, my littles and me, my two littles and me. Um, so in a monastery classroom, the child, um, when they see, there's only one piece of material, one piece of each material. So the child working with that material understands that no one is going to interrupt, no one's going to take, take it from them, no one's going to make them share. And then what the child who wants that piece of material understands is understands indirectly respect. They understand that they need to wait. However, it's not taught in a, like a moral lesson way, you know, it's not taught in a shame way, it's not taught in a way that you can't do this, you need to wait, but that's what they understand, because there's only one piece of material, and one of the rules is, um, is that when a child's working with something, you can't touch anyone else's work, and so by then they learn respect, it's, it's respect by osmosis, if you like, and that's what we're doing in Montessori parenting it's conscious parenting peaceful parenting respectful parenting all of those modern terms from it comes under the umbrella of Montessori parenting because the basis of conscious respectful peaceful all of those positive discipline non-violent communication all of those beautiful beautiful methods the basis is respect of the child and that's what we start with and if you have the chance to see the film inside Montessori I'd really recommend it it's an hour and a half long it's on Vimeo and so it's four or five dollars to rent for a 72 hour period and there's an elementary educator in the states he talks about who talks about this and says the importance of respect and she's speaking with reference to um children in her classroom who have um she has a mixed race classroom who um children who experience racism from a young age and how much it it damages them how much um it affects them and she what what she is saying in this little um in this little segment um is that if we start with respect to one child so if one adult can show one child in a classroom this level of respect then that ripples out into the child understands over a period of time that that respect is given to all the other classmates and then that ripples out into the family you know because then the, the educators are doing work with the family and parent enrichment in, in the home and then that ripples out into the wider community and then that ripples out into the country and the world and then we have a big movement for change a huge movement for change and it all starts with respect um and so that's why i say montessori is a way of life it's not um it's not an education system it's just not pretty shelves and whenever i go into homes i do my parent enrichment work and we work with um and i work with parents and i work with children in their homes where we start is the physical environment for sure where we start is preparing the shelves where we start and ivana's on here and she's one of my um my parent enrichment clients her and her family and that's what we start with we started with preparing her environment in a way so that her toddler has the things that he needs um, in a simple, ordered and accessible way. Because that's the ultimate respect. If we can give our toddler freedom of choice within boundaries, if we can give our toddler, our piccolini, um, this ultimate respect to show them that the unspoken message we're saying is, I know you're comfortable, I know you're um, capable, and I'm going to help you be even more capable. I'm going to support you on your path to autonomy. That sends a really powerful message of trust to our child. Um, 
it shows that we trust them but I think most importantly it shows that we trust ourselves when we can trust our child to make their own choices that if they want to wash the windows for four hours a day because that's what a lot of toddlers like to do if we can do that without worrying about academics without teaching them their ABCs without teaching them their colors without expecting them to do anything else but grow themselves as a human that is is respect that is deep trust and that is deep respect and that's why i say that montessori parenting is very um in line with conscious parenting as part of conscious parenting because it takes a lot of i guess ego work from us to let go of what we think our child should be doing, of what we think they should be learning, and actually hand their learning over to them. So that's what Montessori parenting is in terms of respect. We prepare the environment, as I said, that's the first step. And we may or may not end up with shelves that look perfect or not. And we may or may not um, have something that looks like the other accounts on Instagram. And that's not what's important. What's important is our children, whatever age, whether they're a baby, whether they're a piccolini, whether they're a preschooler, whether they're elementary, whether they're an adolescent, it needs to be simple, ordered, accessible. Because when um, a child has things that they need at their fingertips, then they can grow into a capable human being. And capable human beings become confident human beings over a period of time. And capable and confident human beings are, like with all of us, when we're feeling capable, when we're feeling confident, we're feeling good about ourselves, we find it easier to look outwards and think of who else we can help. And so if we have a generation of children, more and more, and I mean, there's millions of children already like this um, through Montessori education, and other methods of education as well, I might add. But the more people we have, more children we have being brought up in this way of deep respect, then this is this ripple effect. Then it's just a, a numbers game, isn't it? The more we have, the more incremental it is, then it becomes, um, without being too woo-woo, like a, it becomes a vibrational, a vibrational frequency. It becomes that you know, you are so intent on bringing this to your children then you're going to naturally attract people to you who are on the same or a similar path and that's how I found with enriching environments when I first started the grassroots homeschooling um, group is then people were being drawn to me who naturally were of this path and it wasn't word of mouth it just felt like it was energy I was literally bumping into people in the street and you start having a conversation and then suddenly you realize that you're on the same path of parenting it's really it was really really bizarre um so that's what Montessori parenting is. It's respect. Um, we start with the environment because when we prepare the environment in a simple, ordered, accessible way, then we know what our child needs because we prepare the basics, as it were, and we don't need expensive materials. If you have the, um, if, if the expensive, beautiful, curated toys and Montessori equipment are available to you, then get them sorry wiggly's jumping everywhere she's gone really crazy because the camera's on um if if those are available to you then 
get them by all means get them but if they're not available to you financially or from accessibility wherever you are in the world for whatever reason don't think you can't do Montessori don't think that it's inaccessible and I'll let you in on a secret when we first moved here from Cape Town so that was six years ago first of July it was six years that we've been in Dubai um, when we first moved here six years ago, you couldn't get Montessori toys here. You couldn't get Montessori equipment. So all the things I learned about in my training, I couldn't get. I mean, I could order from the UK or the US, but the shipping was like double the price of the materials. And we couldn't afford that. Like, like it wasn't something that was accessible. You know, we just moved here from Cape Town, which is a huge amount of money in itself. Um, and we were just setting up in a new country. So it wasn't accessible. So I made a lot of the toys um, myself so an object permanent box you know when you put the ball in and the child looks for the ball because they start to realize that something still exists when they can't see it anymore before the age of roughly eight or nine months they don't know that but this when this developmental stage happens there's a specific piece of wooden material where you pop the the child pops the ball in the top of the box and then the ball drops through, so it disappears, and then the child looks for it. It's called an object permanence box, and it's a really interesting stage of development. Um, but I didn't have the means, I, I couldn't get the piece of material, and even if I could get it, it was going to be too expensive. So I made that piece of material from a, from a shoebox and with a tennis ball, and I cut holes in it, and that's how I did it. And so please don't think that if you don't have the materials, then you can't do it. If you have a shelf, if you don't have a shelf, if you have a cardboard box on its side with just two pieces of interesting material, it doesn't need to be interesting, it doesn't need to be the proper material. If you can set out a basket of or a tray of wooden spoons for your crawling baby to crawl over to and suck them to get all the different flavours from the cooking, that is a sensory experience. That is a Montessori experience. The Montessori comes from the accessibility, that it's simple and it's ordered, the predictability of the environment. And if you're in Dubai and you want to, or you're anywhere in the Middle East, and you wanted to get some of these incredible Montessori toys and equipment, you can go to Montiplay. Um, Montiplay is, hi, Catania. Um, Catania, who's just joined, is my daughter's elementary teacher. Um, so I feel a bit nervous now that she's going to be watching me. Um, so if you would like to get the Montessori equipment, get the Montessori toys, you can do that from Montiplay. Aziza has done the most amazing job of curating these collections, curating these boxes to meet the developmental needs of a child at each stage. If you want to do that, do that. But if you can't do that for whatever reason, financially or accessibility, you can still do Montessori. You can still show your children um, respect, the respect of offering them a choice, the respect of preparing an environment that promotes autonomy. And one of the things that people can get quite confused about with Montessori is because we talk about the, the independence of the child, we, it can be sort of misinterpreted and it makes it seem that we want our children to be emotionally independent. And that's not at all what it is. For me, um, what it feels like is that we are teaching children to do things for themselves. Independence for me is teaching children to do things for themselves, not by themselves. We're not expecting 
when they can wash the windows, when they can get dressed, when they can look after themselves, when they can cook, all these other things. You know, even my daughter, six and a half, she can do so many things for herself. She's immensely capable, but she still needs to do things collaboratively. Just because she's six and a half and is extremely articulate and extremely feisty and fiery and can cook her own meal and use the stove and the oven and all of these things and cut her own food. She can make a meal, but that doesn't mean that she wants to do it on her own. And it's not right for her to do it on her own. You know, that bond and that connection with our children is really, really important. So keep in mind that Montessori is about autonomy to make the child capable to make them a a capable confident contributing member of society that's what we're talking about we're talking about raising humans um, that are deeply connected to themselves because of the respect that we pay them and because of the respect that they're shown in the environment that they are um, grown in and that's in her in the home and in the school we are talking about this basis of respect the foundation of respect is a really good way to approach um, Montessori classroom or a Montessori home, Montessori parenting. Um, and like with all parenting, it's looking inside ourselves. And this is why I say there's so many parallels with conscious parenting and peaceful parenting. Because we, when we're, when we're well, well rested and we're in a good mood and everything's gone well, then we can all be the most chilled and we can be the most um, serene and we can be the most respectful and conscious parents. But when we're tired, when we've been up in the night, when they've been coughing all night, when we haven't had a good night's sleep, um, and they are pushing our buttons, um, oh no, sorry, they're not pushing our buttons, we are allowing our buttons to be pushed, I should say, the onus is not on the child, the onus is on the adult, the child has just been the child, it's us um, who um, has to take stock of what we're dealing with, we're not going to be respectful, and we're not going to be peaceful, and we're not going to be the best version of ourselves the whole time, but part of being a conscious parent or a Montessori parent is our own inner work. Um, when we you do a Montessori course, the spiritual development of the teacher, of the guide, is huge, is huge, 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 because we, I love that quote that Dr. Montessori says about, um, there's a quote about saying when we become educators, we need to tear out the roots of prejudice. So we literally see the child new every day. We come in because of our parenting, because of societal conditioning cultural conditioning we come into a classroom or parenting with an idea of how children should behave how they should respond to us you know I know myself with with uh, with Olivia I'm not not so much Harry because he's only four and he's not that yet there but you know there for sure has been time she's six and a half and she's so feisty and the back chat is unbelievable as is normal um, where there's something in my head which comes from my own childhood and from society is, you know, speak to me respectfully, you can't speak to me like that, you know, you need to respect your elders. And it's just a knee-jerk reaction because it's just programmed in my brain, right? But it's so ridiculous when we think of it like that because we are asking this little person who's been, you know, I'm 44 and Olivia's six, I'm asking her to pay more respect to me than I'm actually paying to her. I mean, it's bonkers when we think of it, right? When we can think of it in a logical way, when we're well-rested and not stressed. Um, So this is what's really, you know, part of Montessori parenting is looking at our own stuff and knowing that when we have a... A reaction rather than a response to our child that you know we don't need to delve into it right then because there may be childhood stuff that's going to take time to come to the surface but just to know that it's about us it's not about them 
99% of the time, our children are just being children. It is their job to push boundaries. It is their job to test us unconsciously. It is their job. Um, they need to feel safe, so they need to push our boundaries. And it is our job to show them respect. And it is our job to accept the full kaleidoscope of their emotions and their behaviours. Because if we don't, as their parent, who is going to? Because school isn't going to, society isn't going to, hey? We must, as their primary caregivers, whether that's parents or grandparents, or you know, if you're lucky enough to live with extended family, like in so many cultures it's normal to live with extended family, and how beautiful for children to have all these different like a full range of, uh, of human personalities in one home. You know, the Western model of two or one parent with children is very, um, is very imbalanced, isn't it? And, it's, um, and it makes it really hard for ourselves. So Montessori parenting is looking inside ourselves. What else did I want to say? I've almost talked for too long, as usual. Let me have a sip of water while I just check my bullet points behind my camera. So we've discussed about how it all starts in the home environment, and that's where we begin. We begin with the shelves, simple, ordered, accessible environment. So that's where we begin, because then our child shows us what they need. They show us what they're interested in. They show us what their skills are. So that's why we start with, and why the image of Montessori can seem like it's just the shelves, but it's not that at all. And I hope I've been able to explain that in a way that's, um, that's accessible. Um, and then we talked about the roots of Montessori, where it came from. We've talked about it being a way of life and transferring the respect shown to the child in the classroom into the home. We've um, talked about peaceful parenting, conscious parenting. Um, something interesting which came up when I attended a Montessori conference a couple of months ago was um, that they're saying that uh, the other educators and trainers were saying that the biggest shift they can see in the Montessori training in the past 10 years, and I've been trained for 10 years now actually, and I can concur with this, is that recently more and more and more um, the training colleges and the programs are talking about parent enrichment. So um, imparting the knowledge and the insight and the tools that we use in the classroom sharing them with parents so we can empower them and so many it's a bit of a mystery you know it used to be sort of like um that also added to the idea of elitism in Montessori as well that you know you, it was kind of a mystery what was going on in the classroom everyone loved the results but no one really knew how they were achieved it was all mystical about the materials and what have you but everything's part of that you know the, the environment itself the materials and the guide you know the way that the whole community works the way that they interact with each other the respect the the fact that there's no hierarchy is so important I, I remember so clearly in my training and my teaching practice um like over and over again my teaching practice tutor just saying you know I don't want to see you standing in the classroom as the guide any adults in the classroom they need to be down at the same level as the child and you sit on this tiny little stool this tiny chair that's really uncomfortable until you get used to it and they don't if you move around the classroom you know you've got to be really you've got to be really quiet and respectful and really embody what we want our children to see you know we don't shout from one side of the classroom you know we we're just really quiet and make ourselves as small as possible. So not only is the hierarchy 
um, dismantled, but we're at the same level as the child as well. We look into a child's eyes when we speak to them. You know, these really simple things that we can all practice. You know, we don't need to be a Montessori educator to try and remember whenever possible to sort of drop down onto one knee to speak to our child at their level, into their eyes. We don't need to be a Montessori educator to just sit on the floor in our sitting room and look around and go, or the child's bedroom and go, okay, what can my child reach at her height? What can I change? Can I add some steps here? Can I put, um, if she's a Piccolini and she's into cleaning, can I put like a, a cut down mop here or a dustpan and brush there to facilitate what her love of cleaning is? It's really um, just seeing the child, seeing things from the child's perspective. And that's what Montessori is about, seeing it from the child's perspective more and more and more. Like, um, And in my forthcoming podcast series, my first guest, um, Jean-Marie Penel, um, she talks about um, like following the spirit of the child. And that just, it gives me goosebumps. I want to cry whenever she says it. But it's really that. It's, you know, um, like open seeing the spirit of the child and then following it like trusting in every child's innate goodness and seeing how we can guide that and whether we're a parent or an educator or a primary caregiver not necessarily a parent you know whether a, 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 a nanny or an uncle or an aunt or whatever it might be it's guiding our child um guiding the child um, and trusting in their innate goodness and that just speaks so powerfully to me um I think that's all I want to say. Yeah, so the big the big shift in the past 10 years, I think, in the training from what I've heard from other educators is more and more um, educators are doing more work um, in supporting parents in the home so that the one of the, uh, one of the massive parts of, of Montessori education is that there's this continuum from the classroom to the home because no matter how amazing the school is, still 80% of the work is done in the home. You know, the way the child is spoken to at home, the environment. If they have complete autonomy in a Montessori classroom, but then they go home and they don't have that autonomy, then that can continuity isn't there. So the child isn't going to be able to maximize um what they're learning in the classroom, maximize their potential and and really bloom as they do in the classroom. They're not going to be able to do that at home. So that's something else to ask ourselves is, you know, if you do have a child in a Montessori school, you know, get a meeting with the, with with their guide and say, okay, what do I need to do at home? What what do I need to do at home that mirrors? And I don't mean in terms of equipment or toys, but it's more like what are you doing to give autonomy in the classroom? How can I do that at home? And those are really, really good questions to ask, you know, um, does the guide have like a list of respectful language to use? You know, how do I offer choices to a young child? All those types of things. They're, these um, these seem really, really small, but they make such a huge difference. You know, a baby who is used to choosing their own clothes or choosing their toys is then a very, very powerful um, three to six year old child, is then a very powerful elementary child because they know what they want they know within themselves we're not telling them how to feel what to think what to say they know how they feel they know what they want um and that is a foundation of respect so i hope you've all enjoyed this evening those are all of my bullet points on my pinboard and if you have any questions then type now hi everyone who's joined sorry i haven't been very good my hi melissa sorry i just saw you join I haven't been very good with my waves. Let's catch up with my waves now.
and I'll have a um, sip of water. Oh, I think I'm not, I can't wave actually after a certain amount of time. If anyone's thinking <clears throat> about a question, I do want to tell you about my podcast series, um, which is coming up, which is so, so, so exciting. I'm going to do Top Tip Tuesday on Instagram Live next Tuesday on podcast series. It is um, the first podcast will be published on Friday 18th of June. So what I've done is I've called it the Montessori Mission. Um, I googled that title and I don't think anyone else has used it, so I hope they, <laughs> they haven't. But if they have, I'm going to need to change it, but that will be fine. Um, and I've, I'm asking 10 Montessorians from around the world the same 10 questions to get 10 perspectives from 10 different communities. And what I really wanted to do is show the diverse ways that Montessori is working for people. So I have, as I said, guest one. Episode one is Jean-Marie Penel. She is a parenting mentor. So she has spent 20 years in Montessori and she spent a long time in the classroom. She's a naught to three and a three to six educator. And now her work is um, as a parenting mentor. So she works specifically with parents to support them in the home. And that came about because when she was in the classroom, more and more parents were asking her, how do I do this at home? And she realized that people needed guidance. So that's what she does in parent mentoring. She's my first guest. And then I have got so many other amazing guests. Let me just tell you a few without giving too much away. So I have Nusaiba from Rumi Montessori, um, who is going to be joining me on the podcast. She is um, she has created the first Islamic Montessori magazine. She has um, she has done Montessori education. Um, with her son Noah from the beginning he's now 17 years old um, he is autistic so she has such an interesting story to show how um, Montessori path and how a guiding a child sorry a child is guided by his or her interests how that has worked with his personality and uh, being autistic that is so fascinating speaking to her and there's so much wisdom there because she's been doing it for so long again it's just you want to just kind of have all this information intravenously it's amazing she's in malaysia she's originally from the uk and is now in malaysia and she i mean there's too many things to talk about there's so many interesting things um you know, we first spoke last week um, just to check our sound and what have you, do our testing. And um, that's really, really fascinating. I'm having Aksata from Manvi and Me um, in Chicago. She's going to be joining me. And Aksata is so interesting. She's doing Montessori and baby-led weaning. That's her um, area. Where she uh, Manvi is her daughter. And so she documents her uh story with her daughter you know her how she implements Montessori and just recently or actually no at the moment she's featuring in a, a conference uh, sorry just recently she featured in a conference about how um, integrating um, Indian culture with Montessori integrating Montessori with Indian culture and so she has her own unique um, perspective and take on it from there which is absolutely fascinating I have um, Pilar from Mainly Montessori, who's going to be talking about Montessori Elementary in specifically homeschooling. Um, I have uh, Trisha Mokino, who is um, an indigenous educator in New Mexico, and she 
has this incredible program where there is the Indigenous Montessori Institute, where Indigenous educators are being trained in the Montessori method, and this is all part of decolonizing education. So the Montessori method is taught in the um, Native American uh, setting, but with their cultural points of reference and with their language. And that is so fascinating because um, this is preserving and reviving and, and honouring a cultural identity that was lost because of colonisation, sorry, was not lost, was, was, was denigrated because of colonisation. Um, and this amazing movement that Trisha is doing, and, and she has the most incredible team, and again, just this fascinating story. So I'm not going to tell you everyone, I want to spend all night talking about it, but I need to save it till next week. But this podcast series, I'm so excited, I'm ready to pop. Um, I've got some really, and I'll talk through a couple of the questions next week as well. I'm not going to tell you everything because I don't want to spoil everything, but there's um, some really, really interesting things come coming. Um, the first one, Jean-Marie Penel, will be published next week, and then I'm going to publish every two to maybe three weeks over the over the summer. But um, I can't wait to share all of those with you. It's going to be really, really, really fascinating. And there's um, other guests coming up as well, but I don't want to spoil the surprise. Thank you all so much for joining me this evening. Um, Montessori is a way of life. And I hope I've answered a couple of your questions from this evening. And as ever, if anyone has any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in Top Tip Tuesday, just please do DM me or you can send me an email, which is sayhello at enrichingenvironments.com. Thank you for the hearts. That's probably Ivana. You're always so generous with your hearts. <laughs> Um, and what do we have this weekend this weekend we have uh, 9am golf standard time on Friday I have my regular workshop on my monthly workshop on emotional regulation for parents and caregivers so how we can keep calm when all hell breaks loose how we can find our anchors or um, so it's, it's twofold it's in the moment how we can maintain calm and then overall, we're looking at self-care and what it means to look after ourselves and what it means to feel worthy enough to look after ourselves when we are, we've got so many other pressures. And particularly when we're the primary caregiver, it feels like we are irreplaceable. So the self-care goes to the bottom of the, of the list often. So we're going to talk about that. Those how we look after ourselves in the moment and how do we look after ourselves in the broader sense. So that's at 9am, our first 90-minute online workshop this Friday. The second one is about crawling babies. So if you know anyone who has a baby that's crawling or about to crawl, this workshop at 10.30, uh, sorry, at 11 on Friday is going to be unmissable. I'm just going to post um, it onto my feed now, um, all the details of it and where you can sign up. But um, if you're interested in crawling babies, you're interested in emotional regulation, those two are your workshops this weekend. And um, don't forget to enter my knife competition, my toddler knife competition. You can go to the link in my bio and enter that to win a free knife and access to my online course, An Introduction to Enriching Environments. What else do I have to tell you? I think that's everything. Enrichingenvironments.com is my website. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Take care. Have a beautiful evening. Bye-bye.